0: And welcome to another episode of the Buckle Bomb Show here on BMP Sports. My name is Bobby, and I'm so happy to finally be back in 2023 to talk pro wrestling with you. I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, Anthony Roan. Tony, how you doing, buddy?
1: You know, it's New Year, new me. I'm just kidding. WWE's still doing racist-ass bullshit and letting creepy old men run their fucking company and... The best parts of wrestling are passing away. This year's already sucks. The more things
0: change, the more they stay the same. All right. Uh, I do want to apologize. Last week, we talked about doing a Best of 2023 show. We our Best of 2022 show. We never got that done. So I was going to make it part of last week's show. But then I we didn't do last week's show because I felt like complete garbage. So... Uh, we're coming back to you a couple of weeks late. We're not doing a Best of 2022 because, you know, there's been a little bit of news that dropped. A couple of things happened that we need to talk about instead. But uh, maybe maybe later this week, if me and Tony can find the time, we'll still get a Best of 2022 done. If not, then I think by that point it'll be too late. But uh, uh, we'll try and get something done in that way. Because there are, I think there are some things we want to talk about and kind of close the door on 2022. Uh, But we'll go ahead and jump right into some of the things we want to talk about. The first two stories were things I wanted to talk about on last week's show. The first one, unfortunately, being a bit of sad news. Uh, The wrestling world lost Don West a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Don West was uh, very popular on the Shop at Home network for over a decade um, he was actually contacted by Vince Russo to become part of WCW in 2001, but he turned it down. A year later, Jeff Jarrett, who knew Don West through Vince Russo, uh, got him to join TN- TNA. And of course, we had that great Mike Tanay, Don West commentary booth at TNA for quite a while until Taz finally joined. Uh, what are your thoughts on... Don West and his, uh, well, his not to make a pun here, but his impact on the TNA commentary booth.
1: You know, it's weird because there was a point in time TNA from like 2006 to 2010, where in my opinion, it was the best professional wrestling that was on television and the commentary team between Don West and Mike Tanae were second to none. Um, I know that opinion's not very popular because there's a lot of people who dislike Don West because they said that he commentated too much like he was a fan. And if that is so wrong, then, man, people like you and me are doing something wrong. That means that we shouldn't have a voice in pro wrestling. Truth be told, Don West was one of the first people to have a voice in pro wrestling as a fan. Um, just some of the calls that he's made over the years monsters ball matches best versus Raven. Uh, AJ Styles versus Mojo versus Christopher Daniels for the X division championship at unbreakable. Don was has significant part of my me coming up through high school. And it's just one of those things that when you find out that he's gone, it was very shocking and off putting. Um, but the thing is with death is that there's no more pain and suffering and, Hopefully he's in a better spot now than what he was prior.
0: Absolutely, uh brain lymphoma. Uh it was announced in 2001 that he had been diagnosed with that, he'd been fighting that. Um I don't have a lot of memories of Don West unfortunately because I didn't watch TNA, TNA by the time WCW died and TNA started up, I had kind of I was checking out of wrestling more and more. Occasionally I'd, I'd put on the TNA product and it was always, I loved as a big WCW guy, I loved Mike Tenay. It was always a little weird hearing him in the play by play role, as opposed to like a third co- color commentary, like he was on nitro. But, uh, and then you had Don West as a color commentator and I didn't, I had no idea who he was. But I, 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 what little I saw, the, it definitely worked very, very well, uh, and so uh, and it seems like from everything I've heard, he was well liked by everyone. Um, even WWE, uh, you know, made mention of him. Michael Cole made mention of him on air. So it, it seems like he was very well liked by everyone in the business who went through TNA and that that. Period of time. All right, we'll go ahead and move on and say goodbye to Don West and move on to our next topic, which is Charlotte Flair on the last uh, SmackDown and the last show of 2022, uh, the New Year's Eve edition of SmackDown. Charlotte made a surprise return after a Ronda Rousey title defense, challenged Ronda Rousey and got the win over her for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, She would go on this past week. We now know she she would uh, defend that title against Sonya Deville successfully on this most recent SmackDown. What do you think of Charlotte's return? What do you think of her uh, becoming SmackDown Women's Champion right out of the gate, defeating Ronda Rousey, no less?
1: Man, it just feels like I've seen this somewhere before. Can't can't quite put SummerSlam two years ago, (laughs) Uh, three years ago. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that this is a crazy, crazy thing because when you look at this on paper, it's awesome to have Charlotte back. We've talked for a long time now about the women's division in WWE. The pool was getting kind of shallow there for a little bit. And now hopefully with the return of Charlotte, the return of hopefully Lacey Evans soon, Um, Becky's back. We're going to actually be able to tell some greater stories heading into WrestleMania. And my theory about this is, is that going into WrestleMania, there's only one match to make if they don't make sure Charlotte's a heel, because the thing that's killing me about this whole Charlotte return is it's not clear. She's a heel. It's not clear. She's a face. It's just good to have her back. I think that's the angle that they're rolling with. But they don't make...
0: I think she's been pretty clearly, just because of who they're setting her up against, you know, uh, uh, coming back against a heel Ronda Rousey, and then, you know, this week a heel Sonya Deville. And I don't know if you saw the way she took the title this week from Jessica Carr. She did it in her old heel style. Like, she would just... you know, rip the title out of the referee's hands, Jessica Carr's hands in this case. And then she went, oh, wait, I'm a baby face. I'm sorry. Thank you for giving me the belt. <laughs> and then raised it up. I don't know if you noticed that. It was pretty funny. I did not.
1: But I feel like a part of that has to do with, in my opinion, um, maybe the indecisiveness backstage to make a decision on what the hell she actually is. Charlotte's smart. I don't think that was done accidentally. So my thought is, though, if they don't make her a heel definitively before Royal Rumble, then you already know what the match going in the WrestleMania is going to be. It's very obvious there's only one person you can choose, and that is Rhea Ripley.
2: Yeah.
1: The history is there. It tells a great story. She has, you know, Judgment Day backing her in a title match. And let's face it, I mean, there were some things I wasn't really happy with with Judgment Day coming off her of Raw last night. But if you would have asked me in the beginning of 2022 if I would have ever cared if the Judgment Day split up, I would have probably laughed at you and been like, who gives a fuck? Now Judgment Day has gotten to the point where it's kind of like a necessity on Monday nights.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, how do you get Ray Ripley over to SmackDown? I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't do that, but right now that is a bit of a thing. Ray Ripley's on the other brand.
1: No, I mean, it's quite simple. It, it ties into Dominic's feud with Ray.
2: Mm, true. True. And certainly they can
0: have them appearing on other shows. That's never been much of an impediment for them. Um,. Mm. Where do you see Ronda Rousey going from here? She mentioned, and I don't think anyone really wants another Charlotte Ronda feud. Um, they had, in our opinion, a lackluster match at WrestleMania last year. But they turned around and had a pretty decent match at Backlash. Um, what, where do you see Ronda Rousey going? She mentioned actually wanting to go after the tag team belts in her, uh, on her personal social media. Do you see her going that route?
1: No, not prayer. We are going to get Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey for WrestleMania. The story tells itself. It's a match that Ronda's wanted to do since Shayna Baszler came into the company. Um, If you remember, they were the four horse woman of MMA that started the feud between Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and Bailey. But now that they have an opportunity, the story can write itself as well. You know, Ronda blames Shana or Shayna turns on Ronda for losing the title. And there you go. You got that matchup heading into WrestleMania and even better yet with the women's background that are in this match. You know, it makes sense that you put riddle in this match. Not so much sense that you put Seth in this match, but you could do one of those fighter pit matches with Ronda and Shayna, and it would be totally believable. There'd be a lot of intrigue there. Um, Maybe, you know, WWE likes doing crossover. Um, And this will kind of tie into something we're going to talk about later. But let's say you have the woman that beat Ronda Rousey, special guest referee that match, Holly Holmes.
2: Ooh, yeah. Okay. That'd be, that'd certainly be interesting. And that would be a WrestleMania level type
0: of thing you could do for sure. And maybe a way to drum up interest in a sort of at least plateauing uh, Ronda Rousey popularity here. That would pique some interest going into Mania for sure.
1: And, you know, maybe possibly there's a certain company that might be buying WWE that might own the contract to Holly Holm right now. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. But, uh,
0: all right, we'll go ahead and move on to our next topic. And this is one of the new ones for this week that we didn't miss last week. Mercedes Monet has indeed made her debut in New Japan and Stardom at Wrestle Kingdom 17. She came out after Kyrie successfully defended her IWGP uh, women's title, the first defense for that new belt, and uh, then attacked Kyrie. Perhaps in a bit of a botch of a move, but notwithstanding, she hasn't been in the ring in seven months. Uh, Then uh, held, held up the belt, held up the belt, and we are set for a match between Kyrie and Mercedes Monet for the IWGP Women's World Championship at Battle in the Valley in San Jose, California on February 18th. Uh, what do you think of Mercedes Monet in New Japan, and what do you think of her look—the hair, the whole uh, kind of the geisha thing she had going on the entrance—and of her and Kyrie on February 18th?
1: Well, first and foremost, um, it's kind of awkward for me that New Japan is slowly creeping into the zeitgeist of our main topics every week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like also completely unintentionally wearing a IWGP United States Championship shirt tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was literally the, one of the worst segments I've ever seen in wrestling. It's right up there at the Shockmaster. I don't like that, think so. The move was a little botched, but come on. The move was extremely botched and then cut like the worst promo I've ever heard in my life. And you can't give Ring Rust the pass on this one because she was training with Whovie. She was in the ring training, so that's not an yeah. excuse. Literally, and the funny thing that set this all off to me that made me realize how awful this was is how not excited the announce team sounded, it, which is terrible. But literally, as Sasha's coming out to, by the way, possibly the worst theme song of all time as well, where it's just her saying money every five seconds, um, Kevin Kelly. You might know him from WWF back in the day. Said, Mercedes Monet, she's here. This is the worst kept secret in professional wrestling. And then proceeds to go to the ring, botches her finisher to the point where I have no clue what it's even actually supposed to look like. Yeah. Don't be surprised if at Battle in the Valley it looks nothing like what we saw at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, New Japan's WrestleMania. And then proceeded to cut a promo where it sounded like she didn't know exactly what to say to Kyrie, Like, she didn't, like, have anything planned. They just kind of, like, threw her out there, and they're like, go say something on the mic now. Come on, you got this. Shoo-shoo. And I feel bad for her. I hope that this doesn't haunt her being in New Japan. Then again, she might not only be in New Japan, We still get to see what happens tomorrow night on Dynamite. Is she Soraya's partner? Probably not. Yeah. But maybe.
0: uh, Let's let's talk about that for a second. Because for a moment in all the uh, sort of wrestling trades, it seemed like that was a sure thing for about five minutes. Oh, yeah. Mercedes Monet is Soraya's partner. And then all of a sudden it reversed. No, no, it's not. It is in fact going to be Tony storm and WWE still believes that they got a shot at bringing her back as Sasha Banks. What do you think of this sort of back and forth that's been going on here with AEW and WWE?
1: So I know you like to call me a dreamer, but my heart's of gold got runaway eyes, but I can't go home now. Um, I fell out of a little podcast called After the Bell with Corey Graves. Um whenever they started adding co-host, I thought that show was amazing when it was just Corey Graves cuz he can carry a conversation better than anybody I know. But if you know me, you know I loved talking shop podcasts with the Good Brothers and Rocky Romero. Um so anytime the Good Brothers are just being too sweet on a podcast, I'll check it out. And they were recently on after the bell in November that I completely missed. And if, after listening to that, if you don't believe that there's a possibility of further working with AEW and New Japan from WWE, you have lost your mind because even Corey Graves says in that episode, we can be as open as we want to now. This is a different era in WWE. We could talk about where we want the forbidden door. in my opinion is kicked wide open. Corey Graves said that on his podcast with the good brothers Granted, This was before it was Wrestle kingdom was announced. This was a brawl fall or whatever the hell they were calling it was going on. So I look, there's potential there. Is it probably going to happen? No, we're either going to get Tony storm or we're going to get uh thunder Rosa.
0: Ooh, that'd be that would be interesting to get a Thunder Rosa comeback. Uh, I'd be down for that for sure if she's ready. Um, hmm. Yeah, you know me. The, I think the WWE's opened up; they're more open to at least when they take someone in, them finishing up their bookings, bookings, and still having them on their own TV rather than waiting and. Some of these little things, they're not going to have their contracted wrestlers out at other places unless there's a set deal in place. And I still think WWE looks at it as how does that how does that really benefit us all that much? So I don't think you're going to see that happen. I just don't Um, here with Mercedes Monet. Obviously, there's not a WWE deal in place right now. Therefore, if one comes to be, I think you do end up in a bit of a Carl Anderson situation here where she's going to have to go through some dates with New Japan for a little bit for at least the next six months or whatever long that lasts while she's still being Sasha
2: Banks on WWE TV. And you could have a bit of both and crossover there. I think the one impediment to her signing with AEW would be the contract length.
0: She'd pretty much have to sign three to five years. And I don't know right. if she wants to do that.
1: Uh, I do think right now she wants the shortest contract possible. Um, and just to touch on another thing real quick that we were just talking about prior. I don't know if you watched the uh, post-match interviews that new Japan has always done. Um, some of the best post-match interviews ever um carl anderson comes out buries the hatchet with Tamatanga. uh the gentleman saying in the background was Huckleo. that's who's rumored coming to wwe right now Mm. but if you listen to that carl anderson invites Tamatanga to wwe not for you know to sign a contract or anything but rematch whatever I don't think Carl Anderson, granted, given the history that he has with WWE, would go into business for himself and extend an olive branch in that fashion. So what else could it mean for the rest of the roster on Shimmer and New Japan? Is it something that maybe Mercedes-Monet wanted to be Mercedes-Monet in Japan, but in the States wants to be Sasha Banks? Because, you have to remember, Big Van Vader was the Japanese Vader. Mm -hmm. Because in Japan, there's respect for the bigger you are. That's why a lot of the American gaijin wrestlers over there are usually considered monster heels. So, there's a lot of, man, there's a lot of interesting things that can go on with this. And you just don't even know where to start.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of different uh, ideas and theories. And we'll just have to see what plays out. I do think, I, I said, uh, you know, if she doesn't want to sign a long-term contract. The flip side of that with AEW is the dates. You know, they only do TV. So the four pay-per-views a year, the live Dynamites, the occasional live Rampage. And that's it. And she can still go do her other things, go do, you know, the actressing thing she still obviously wants to do. She's been in Star Wars and a number of other things uh, that I think that would be an appeal to an AEW would be the schedule. She can still go do New Japan and go do something else. And you can't as, do that as much with WWE. You have to get take time off and get it approved and blah, 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 because you're still doing the house show circuit, which is a thing. AEW does not have. So that's the flip side. You got it. We'll get into quick jabs. Okay. All right. All right. So we'll go ahead and move into the big news of the week. Somehow the emperor has returned. This McMahon is back in WWE and he brought some people with him. Um, this was by way of the Washington or the, uh, Wall Street Journal, of course. And then, uh, Vince McMahon released his own press release. And a day later, everything came to be. And forgive my cats for being very loud and yelling right there. They're being crazy this morning, but, um, Vince McMahon. Well, let, let's start here. Actually, we, we now know about a month ago. There was, in fact, a vote among the WWE board of directors on whether or not to bring Vince
2: back, and they voted no unanimously. That includes his daughter, Stephanie. Fast forward to last week, when,
0: and a few days ago, when Vince who still is a majority shareholder, and he's got the Class B shares, which are like super shares. By the way, with WWE, only McMahon family members can own these shares. So you got basically Vince, Linda, Shane, and Stephanie, not even Paul Levesque, not even Shane's wife. Only McMahon family members directly can own this, this stock. And McMahon owns 80% of them which gives him a voting uh, majority. So he can do pretty much whatever he wants, even though he wasn't a board member, he he can go, oh, wait, I'm voting myself back onto the board, which is basically what he did. And he brought former WWE executives and board members, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson with him. Now, these were board members that he fired in 20, executives that he fired in 2019, which he then replaced with people including one, uh, I almost said Tony Khan. <laughs> uh, now I'm blanking on his actual name, the other Nick Khan. Khan. Nick Khan. Jolly old Saint Nick according to MJ. <laughs> he, he, of course, replaced uh, them with Nick Khan. So the reason Nick Khan is in the company is because these two were fired unceremoniously by Vince McMahon in one of his tantrums. He is now bringing them back. To do so, he had to make room on the board of directors because it can only be 11 people big. 11 people uh, can't have any more than 11 people on the board. So McMahon, with his voting power, just ousted three people. Joe Ellen Lyons-Dillon, Jeffrey R. Speed, and Alan M. Wexler. And it, it... placed himself in those positions, himself, George Wilson and Mich- or George Barrios, and Michelle Wilson. When he did that, immediately, two other board members resigned because they wanted nothing to do with Vince. Ignace Lahoud and Manjit Singh, who
2: was the leader who headed the board's investigation into McMahon. Um, as of right now, and the way it seems going forward, Stephanie
0: McMahon is still chairwoman of the board. Vince McMahon is just a board member. And Stephanie and Nick Khan are still co-CEOs. And it looks like, according to Vince's own press release, he is just there to facilitate a sale, pal. And he's not going to get involved with the management team in WWE. They're doing a fine job. And you know what? When we, you and I first hear that and when kind of Twitter first heard that, it was like, ah, yeah, right. We'll see where he's at. He's going to be he's going to be at gorilla position in two weeks. Wait. <laughs> but first off, as time's gone by, and the more I think about it. Of course, we all have that. That's our way into WWE It's through their creative It's through the show. But there's this whole other side, the whole business side, that really we don't pay a whole lot of attention to just as fans of the product. And that's really what this is all about. It's all about the money. It's all about, hey, this is Vince McMahon. Hey, I built this company up from a small regional promotion into this global thing. You're not getting rid of me. We're going to sell this thing, and I'm going to get my money. And I think I don't think... I think that's where all this is coming from. I don't think this is necessarily a, hey, I want to get back into the day-to-day operations of creative. I, I, I truly think, in fact, that he will leave that alone. I think this is more about the money and trying to make the best sale that he can make possible. Or, and we'll, maybe we can get into this a little bit too, or maybe even take it back private with some investors. But what do you think of this news of Vince McMahon returning to WWE to facilitate a sale?
1: My theory is the same as what's being reported. That's the fear of WWE internal right now. They're worried that Vince McMahon is going to have creative control back by Royal Rumble. And I completely believe it. Because while you think what you think, which is completely fine, we also know that Vince McMahon, the egotistical asshole, that isn't just a character. All it's going to take is for him to see that somebody that he doesn't deem worthy winning the Royal Rumble. And he's going to fucking pull the reins back on that quick as shit. I mean, the other part of this that like really worries me is I feel for the talent that Triple H has rehired. Uh, If you remember a couple weeks ago, a report came out about All the talent that Vince fired was not because of budget or skill, but simply just because Vince did not like them. Yeah. Um, So that has to make people feel some sort of way, too, just knowing that, you know, you're going to work in an even more toxic environment because of the same toxic asshole that was voted out of the company. I do have to say, though, This is some of the best long-term storytelling WWE has done in a long time. This storyline's been going on for almost a year now. Uh, There's no way 2023 could be crazier in professional wrestling than 2022 was, right? You would
2: think so, but I mean, this is our first big story of the year, and it's a doozy. WWE,
1: CM Punk becoming head of live events for WWE. The Young Bucks winning the NXT Tag Team Champions from the New Day.
0: You're going into fantasy
1: land again. Come on. Supercard of Honor with every promotion. Yeah, no. No chance of any of that shit happening this year. Because none of that sounds crazier than Vince McMahon watching Succession one goddamn time and deciding he needs to make that show his fucking personality and life and fucking over his entire company that was actually doing great for a change.
2: Let's... Okay. Let's look at how creative... Because we'll stay on the creative argument here for a minute. Obviously... From a critical standpoint, we we generally
0: everyone agrees that creative that the product has been better that the product that's been unscreened has been better since Vince left. But I think a bigger deal is behind the scenes. You've got morale backstage with Vince not there has has increased tenfold. Um, I think the creative process has gotten better. They're not spending all week writing a show, waiting for Vince to get approval on this and that, only for, you know, 30 minutes before the show, scrapping everything and starting over. I think there's been a consistent process that they've been able to go through, and I think that's been evident just from a certain podcast named Something to Wrestle. They actually, they actually do shows again. Bruce Pritchard has time to, make, to record his process his podcast and he's still a big part of creative over there. So I, I think it's just being managed better. And I think, I, I don't think Vince is so egotistical to not see that. I it's his process was just very different. And my God, was it, it
2: did it not work at times, but Hey, sometimes for a while it did until it didn't. But I think, again, I think he's more focused just on the business
0: aspect. I don't think the ego has to do with creative. I don't think he cares about Gargano at all. I don't think he cares that Bray Wyatt's there. I, I truly don't think he cares. As long as, you know, his son in law is making it work, then fine. I'm cool with that. I'm going to go make my money on this sale. This is my baby. I'm selling it or no one is. And I think that's just his mindset. I, 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 think, I think we're looking at it from a limited perspective if we're like, oh, wait, no, he, he really wants that creative control.
2: I don't think that's as big a deal to him as a lot of us assume it is.
1: All right. So let me just run down some scenarios for you real quick. Because honestly, Vince McMahon taking WWE private is like literally the least of my worries. The best outcome scenario. And Lord forgive me because I know this is so wrong. All the steroids that Vince McMahon has been pumping into his ass for the last 60 years finally catches up with his heart and explodes in his chest. Saving Linda McMahon... And Stephanie and Shane and his grandchildren, a ton of embarrassment.
0: I thought you were about to say idiotic daughter and doofus son-in-law.
2: You you talk about Vince (coughs) dead.
1: Oh, look at that. It's clobbering time. Anywho, best case scenario number two. And this is where I could put on the Booker hat. Warner Brothers Discovery is the highest bidder And there's somehow now able to be a legit crossover with AEW and WWE. Although I'm not too keen on one company having the monopoly on professional wrestling. Then there's option number three. You have all the in-between companies. That's, you know, fine and dandy. But then there is worst-case scenario numero uno. And this is a legitimate possibility that scares the shit out of me because of how corrupt these people are. The word that the Saudi Royal Family Trust is interested in purchasing WWE. That is the scariest possibility. Because not only is it Saudi Arabia looking to like, I don't know, 9-11, 9-11, human rights violations, uh, Gishogi, things like that. They also want the fucking mad tyrant to run the company for them. It's being reported.
2: Of course. That's who they have their relationship with. So,
1: so in my mind, that's the worst case scenario, but if Vince really wants control of his company back, that's the route he's going to end up taking. And the reason why it's scarier is because nobody has deeper pockets than the Saudis. Like they have the literal, literal definition of "fuck you" money; they could just spend it however they want. Oh, look at that! You get some pussy for a change. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. It
2: was right there. <sighs> Talk about low hanging fruit. Jeez. <laughs>
0: The, the Saudi, it just, it's, an, it, it's an interesting notion, but at the same time, with these sales, you do still have to take some sort of PR. Okay, Sorry. You do have to still look into the PR and the future of the business. And I, I think they have the most amount of money that they could just throw at it. Because I think you're looking at a 3 three to $4 billion sale is what WWE is looking for. I don't know if they get that, except with maybe one or two companies. Um, Saudi, the Saudi company would be one of them. Um, I think Comcast, of all the companies that are... All the American or North American companies, Comcast has the highest valuation. They have $160 billion to play with, so they could... Easily throw in four billion, and then they don't have to pay rights fees. Now they own the content creation company for that. You know they can put, you know, that content on USA and on NBC if they want. You know, move SmackDown from Fox to NBC when the Fox deal runs out. So you have uh, that's one way to do it. Of course, that was the Ted Turner way. Uh, which would be very interesting to put WWE in the spot WCW was in, though we know Turner uh, TBS, Turner Broadcast, really mismanaged WCW as a whole because most of the company didn't want it. I think that would be very different in this situation. Ted Turner made the
2: unilateral decision. Made the unilateral decision. cap back there. And he made the unilateral decision to buy
0: Crockett Promotions. And most of the people within Turner did not like that idea, wanted nothing to do with wrestling. This would be very different. It would be a big company with a board. They would all approve it, and it would be a big deal, and they would be very smart. They would go, hey, we're going to allow the people that are running the company to continue running it and we're going to learn about it and then eventually we'll slowly start to creep our way in into making more and more decisions but i don't think it's going to immediately be oh hey i'm going to put this person in charge and i'm going to put this person in charge who you know who's been running pizza joints and knows nothing about wrestling you know they're not going to they're not going to go out and get a gym heard is what i'm saying they they're, they're going to make sure it's well taken care of and up until a point where, at the very least, they feel like they have enough know how themselves. So it'll be a number of years before it's really felt, whether a Comcast or a Fox or a. And Fox isn't big anymore because most of it was sold off to Disney. So it'd be Comcast, it'd be Disney, it'd be Warner Brothers Discovery, which would be the same thing. If Warner Brothers Discovery, of course, is the interesting thing because they have a deal with AEW. Well, now they can buy a wrestling content creation company and they won't need to license AEW anymore. So once that contract's done with AEW, they could leave AEW in the wind without a deal. And you're talking about crossover. I'm saying AEW won't be on TV anymore. It'll be all WWE because they won't need to pay AEW anymore once that contract's out. So... And of course, that would be interesting because Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, used to be TBS. So,
2: yeah. Another thing I find interesting in this is just speaking
1: of how cryptic Tony Khan has been lately on Twitter about, I wonder why people have been so nice to me lately. That was great. That was a fun joke. I (laughs) I got a nice little pop out of that. But um, while we're on the topic, because there's nowhere else for us to shoehorn this in, Bobby, you posed a question to me Sunday night that I feel like needs to be asked for our viewing audience to comment on down below. The Jaguars are in the playoffs. What could that possibly mean for WWE? Well, it's not so much the playoffs,
0: because we all don't think the Jaguars are going to get anywhere. But if they do... If the Jaguars win the Super Bowl, does that
2: mean they're sending Shad and Tony Khan a WWE championship belt?
1: Listen, I'm a diehard Eagles fan. I would basically sacrifice my left nut to get a second Eagles Super Bowl. But I would forego that if I knew it was going to be Jacksonville versus Philly in the Super Bowl and Pantene Pro V one Super Bowl. Doug Peterson won a second Super Bowl, making him the only head coach with two different statues in two different cities in the country. And three to get the picture of Tony Khan celebrating with the Jacksonville Jaguars WWE belt. Could you imagine him walking on dynamite with that son of a bitch? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he wouldn't be able to, but because it's a it's still a WWE copyrighted belt, it would be like. You know, Ric Flair bringing in the World Heavyweight Championship. Up, oh, they gotta they gotta blur it out, or you know, WWF uh, they, suing WCW for the, the the women's title showing up on Nitro. Like, technically,
1: but if you remember, nothing ever happened with the Luger Blaze and that title situation. The lawsuit was thrown out. Mm-hmm. Two, it only Ric Flair's big gold belt only got blurred and re like you know the home video release and things like that here's
0: what they could do because that that picture will be all over the internet tony khan will tweet it out and then they can just share on AEW net on aw tv tony khan's twitter post <laughs> so and that would be perfectly legal so <laughs> uh,
1: so what, so what you're guess. telling me is what you're telling me is Is if I brought my uh, WWE replica title belt, which is right back here, to an episode of Dynamite, and we were sitting front row, and I just held that bitch up over the railing, that puts AEW at subject to get financially sued?
0: No, No, if they made it a part of the show themselves and used it in a story or whatever that is WWE intellectual property that they wouldn't be able to do that. If you're just in the stands wearing an NWO shirt, you're fine. But if they use, if they have someone wearing an NWO shirt within as a part of their show that they're putting on, that would be illegal. So.
1: All right. <laughs> oh, okay. That explains so much. If you remember back in the day, Edge and Christian show that totally rakes of awesome on WWE Network criminally underrated Mm -hmm. it's a tragedy that that show's still not going to this day the last season they did they did an episode about professional wrestling and the internet wrestling community and the entire bit was edge and christian wearing bullet club shirts and in the trailer for the new season the, They've showed the bullet club shots, yeah. but on the actual episode, they were blurred out.
0: Someone, someone in WWE legal, wait a minute, we
2: can't, we can't do that, <laughs> and they had yeah. to blur it out. Yep. Um. Well, let's go ahead and
0: we'll just move over to the quick jab stuff, but we can continue talking about some of this. I, it, what would be interesting, I think, because I think you'll have that WWE belt there. They'll send it, right? I mean, is WWE just not going to no. send it? On the other hand, how fucking petty would on that On the be? other hand, <laughs> certainly Tony Khan is going to have an AEW belt that he's going to hand to his team too, right? You think so? And now you got both so of them right next to each worked? other
1: you telling me that there's a chance that we're going to get Trevor Lawrence, like Conor McGregor, champ champed out with the Super Bowl championship in front of him?
0: Holding them both up, dual champion. Tony Khan holding up both belts, maybe?
1: And they don't have a fan blowing directly at him, so that fucking Thor main he has is blown in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Listen, you know, and I think there's a big winner in all this that none of us are talking about. What's that? The bidding war of 2024. That's just more money for MJF.
0: Uh, speaking of fun tweets, that was, that was a fun one right there where he just said, I love all of these companies. Comcast, Warner <laughs> Brothers Discovery, Endeavor Media, uh, and all these different things. Which you, we, we mentioned Endeavor earlier in the Holly Holmes thing. Did you want to bring that up too, that, that possibility? What do you think of that? Not likely, but...
1: Yeah, well... First off, I know this is not professional wrestling related, but Dana White has... I just want to see the flower basket that was sitting in Vince McMahon's office sent from Dana White for taking some of the heat off of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, ironically enough, they're still advertising power slap fights for after AEW. <laughs> what, what a weird
0: story. Like, that's the show that is about to premiere after Dana White slaps his his wife. Like,
2: what, what, what matrix are we living in? Like, Jesus. Like, how is that not scripted?
1: Look, I'm literally starting to believe that we all live in the matrix. All these people that we watch on the television are NPCs and just They ran through the programming so many fucking times that the AI is just broken. And it's like, let's just throw it all at the fucking wall and see what sticks. Right. Billionaire smacks the shit out of his wife in retaliation on New Year's Eve. That will be hot for a couple of days. And then we'll bury it with the return of a billionaire potential sex offender. Phew. <laughs> and then what we're going to do is we're going to have said billionaire Sexual Predator hired J.P. Morgan to help facilitate a sale, which, you know, not to put the tempo hat on, but J.P. fucking Morgan, crooked as shit. And then we're going to have J.P. Morgan and Old Sex Predator talking to the company that Power Slap Fight Husband works for to potentially have that parent company own all the companies. <laughs> like, it's weird. No, this shit makes sense anymore, Bobby. We're just along for the ride, so buckle up, Buttercup, because exactly. there ain't a goddamn thing you or I could do about it. Except sit here and talk about it, which is what
0: we love to do. All right, uh, anything else? Did you want to talk about here for quick jabs? Because we, we only brought up Mercedes Monet from Wrestle Kingdom. I know you loved, and I did not get to see it, the IWGP U.S. title match on your shirt, the uh, Osprey versus Omega match. You said you, you told me you thought that was one of the best matches ever. If you want to talk
1: about that for a minute. It, surprisingly, it was because I know how you feel about Kenny Omega and storytelling and things of that nature. But if you go back to the history of not only Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, which is a deep, rich history. You also go back to the history of Kenny Omega in New Japan. Once he decided that he was leaving for May and a lot of the stuff that was unresolved from all those storylines and all the times he's worked with Osprey. And all the times he worked in New Japan. Came to a head and was resolved in that one match. And it was absolutely beautiful. Not surprised they broke the five-star scale with that match. I I mean, seriously, I think, Bobby, if you watch this match, it's something you'll be able to appreciate. Um, It was also a hard-hitting match. If you noticed the New Year's Dash when Omega teamed with Okada. Um Omega had a nice little shiner going on there because he got, I forget what move it was. Um, but yeah, Will Ospreay tried to beat Kenny Omega with the styles clash. as like Amish to like past bullet club members. A coup de gras happened. It was, um, it was a great match. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about quick jabs and actually my quick jabs were very Jericho heavy. So bear with me. Um, this may not mean much to you, but to anybody else who watches this who loves independent wrestling, Battle of Los Angeles, PWG Battle of Los Angeles 2023 happened on Sunday. And I said 2023, couldn't going to get crazier, but here the fuck we are. Chris Jericho, of all people, shows up at Battle of Los Angeles and has an awesome tag team match between JAS and certain members of uh, pro wrestling gorilla. Um, there was a point in time where the commentary team at Battle Los Angeles was Excalibur and Eddie Kingston, which was, you know, you give Eddie Kingston a fucking live microphone and it's going to be amazing. Um, and then Mikey Speedball Bailey ended up winning the tournament itself uh, against Takasha. So, uh, well, yeah, that was a.
0: We know AEW had a presence. At that show, uh, behind the scenes as well, Don Callis was there uh,
1: scouting talent for AEW, and well, not just that. You you realize Excalibur owns PWG, right? Right. So, yeah, that's you know can't get much more presence than that right there. I feel like. Mm. Uh, and the other quick jab I had this week is the. Um, Last Outlaw, Jeff Jarrett himself, was on Talk is Jericho. And I don't know if you caught this interview, but there was some really interesting things that was said. Um, One of those things in particular being what Jarrett's actual role behind the scenes of AEW is. Jeff Jarrett is officially their live event coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, that was in the press release. We talked about that. Which, according to Jarrett, is going to lead to the inevitable future of house shows for AEW. The one thing, though, that he was talking about in particular is the possibility of doing stationary house shows because of a contract that AEW is getting ready to sign with Universal Studios to use Lot 26, the same studio they used to sign they used to film TNA Impact back in the day. The uh, the old Impact Zone. Wow, how about that? So, kind of weird how everything just comes, you know, full circle. Yeah, that's interesting. And
0: just imagine if Disney were to buy WWE, and you could have wrestling on the Disney lot as well at the old studio where, for a little while, WCW Saturday Night, WCW Worldwide was taped.
1: Were that infamous image of Hulk Hogan signing with WCW, rolling down the street in the back of the Dodge Viper that was painted Hulk Hogan colors. Yeah. Um, just another quick jab, and this one doesn't mean shit to anything. But if you feel dead inside and you need a good cry, I cannot suggest this enough. Go back and listen to the most recent FTR podcast. Dax gets really open and really personal about a lot of stuff about how FTR almost wasn't a thing anymore after. Cash got caught up in that turnbuckle hook, um, life with his daughter, the whole nine. It'll it'll make you tear up a bit.
0: I I haven't watched it yet because uh, the show, uh, a lot of it's about that third Briscoe's match, which I still, for some reason, have not gotten around to watching. So I want to make sure I watch that before I get into the podcast. But yeah, you've you've played up that podcast to me. I really do want to listen to that one.
1: I I will tell you this, when you finally watch this third match, you will see a spot that Dax refuses to let die, although he should have given up after about three minutes of trying to make the spot oh. happen. He refuses to let it die, and it will pop the shit out of you, and it's all because of his sweaty-ass bald head. He can't do this spot. And his co-host on the podcast, I forget who it is, gave him shit about it. And Dax, admittedly, also agrees he should have given up on spot, but he was too stubborn, too. It it was good. (laughs) All right. uh, Any other quick jabs before we end this thing? Man, why do I feel like I'm forgetting something?
0: Yeah, I've been racking my brain the last few minutes. I'm like, there's something else I want to talk about, but I don't remember it right now.
1: You know, we're not going to talk about this right now because... It's yet to be seen what's actually going on with this Dom storyline. But I want to throw this into quick jabs. When they did the uh, prison segment last week, what they presented last night on Raw versus where I thought they were actually going with it ended up being two totally different things. And you tell me if I'm wrong on this one. But it did it not feel like they were going for like a more modernized Razor Ramon with that prison segment last uh, week?
0: Certainly, last week uh, I. He certainly sounded like he was talking like Scott Hall to me, like a Razor Ramon for sure.
1: He had the toothpick, he had the fucking
0: slick back. And this week, I felt more Conan, which is his godfather. So, you know
1: what? All right, so now you put it like that. I'm not pissed off about (laughs) it anymore. I'm not, because I totally forgot about the Conan Rey Mysterio Dirty Dogs connection. I literally forgot that there was like a year period in WCW where Rey Mysterio was unmasked and he wore devil horns for some reason, uh, and he was with Conan. Um, yeah, man. Okay, so now I'm not upset, but I am upset though that they gave him that fake ass teardrop tattoo. That's kind of like gimmick infringement against the Undertaker, but whatever. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. We had uh, we had we had Conan. We had an unmasked Ray. We had Master
1: P. Oh yeah, and Master P and, the no, and the Limit no Limit Soldiers, Soldiers against uh, West, West the West connection. Texas Connection rednecks west texas rednecks which a song that i still play crap this day, I think it's nice. is crap, <laughs> <It> is crap. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part is is kurt henning was from fucking minnesota <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right all um, right ladies and gentlemen vince russo ran wcw <laughs>
0: Oh, that, that was some fun stuff though. That was, that was, that actually worked. That was a little bit of the Vince Russo stuff that I think actually worked in that, in those dying days of WCW, the rest, West Texas Rednecks and their, their single song out there to go against Master P was, was a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, and the thing about it is, is like, yes, I can sit here and laugh about it, but truth is. If anybody watched the show, you know I love independent wrestling. I think there's a spot for every promotion under the sun. If it wasn't for Vince Russo giving Master P that little bit of uh, screen time on WCW, there's a chance that House of Glory Wrestling would not exist anymore. Because that little bit, according to Master P... He learned a lot from Vince Russo during his short time in WCW, and he's paid attention to other promoters since then. He's had his hand in a little bit of everything. But when House of Glory was getting ready to go under, Master P pulled the funds together, bought the company. He's now running it. Believe it or not, I can't believe I'm about to fucking say this. Bow Wow is training to become a wrestler. So how many professional wrestlers is that now in the uh, Fast and Furious universe? Oh, boy yeah let's tie that all together nbc universal what's (laughs) up um but yeah man that's just it's fucking hilarious to me you know but good on them saving professional wrestling
0: all right we'll end it there on master p and on the west texas rednecks rap is crap not necessarily my opinion
1: american man now we're going all right
0: (laughs) tony i know you got to get to work here so we'll go ahead and end the show that'll do it for this week this episode of the buckle bomb show keep your eyes peeled we're gonna try maybe on a friday to get you a best of 2022 maybe maybe not don't hold me to it but we'll definitely be back next tuesday i'll see you there The preceding announcement has been
2: paid for by Bomb Media Productions.